This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1227, which is entitled the USS Shenzhou, because that is actually the registration number of that starship. I've been hanging out for that for about uh, two years, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our podcast title today is Pod of Dracula. Now, I do have two people in the studio today, and we will be chatting with them presently. Uh, And uh, we were going to start out today, since it is Labor Day, so we're not going to do any work today at all, but we are going to start with a little bit of a track here to maintain our solidarity forever. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. He does indeed. And here we are back after Mr. Tom Morello. Tom Morello! <laughs> I knew I recognised that voice. Our, uh, our friend from the Night Watchman CD. Mm. And we call him a friend because he's, uh, although he's best known for Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave and Night Watchman and Street Sweeper Social Club, he also played guitar on the soundtracks of Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And had a cameo in the first film as a member of the Ten Rings. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I'll go back and watch that now. Yes. I am Rob Jan, and of my own free will, I hereby invite these two extraordinarily gentlemen across the threshold of Zero G's airlock, David Innes and Rob Lloyd. Hello. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be back, as always, in your presence, Mr. Jan. David Innes is, of course, the fictional character who journeyed to the Earth's core in Edgar Rice Burroughs' Pellucidor novels. His partner in vampirism today is Rob Lloyd, who was cloned from a lock of the Tenth Doctor's time boyish hair. <laughs> Together, these two alien Skrull refugees combined to steal the shape of Innes Lloyd, a Welsh television producer whose BBC production credits read like a who's who list of Series like, well, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. The Gestalt en- entity of Innes Lloyd now has a rich history of genre comedy, including Journey to the Centre of the Earth, Melbourne at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and Rob Lloyd's international hit show, Who Me? And also well known for the podcasting acumen. Yes, 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 yes. I've uh, hoard myself out to many of podcasts and been involved <laughs> in my own in many ways, shapes, or as have you, Innes. That's true. I don't think you can be a true Melbourneian uh, <laughs> independent artist. I think that's what happens. You sign up at the independent artist headquarters and they say, oh, yes, we'll give you... Because they all sound like that. They'll give you a podcast. And, but we uh, won't give you any training of how to do any of the technical stuff. No, no, no. And we won't uh, advertise your show at all. <laughs> you actually get it from the Royal Melbourne show. It's in the exactly. show bag. It is. It's show. Yes, it's the it's the depra- it's the depressing independent artist show bag. It's not as popular as the Birdie Beetle one. <laughs> no. Now they're not here contrary to popular belief to take over Zero G for the day. <laughs> they are actually here 
talking about their show, which is Dracula at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in uh, very soon, actually. From very soon, yeah. The 25th of March? Yep, that's when we open, Monday the 25th of March, and we run for a week at uh, Melbourne's best independent cabaret venue and comedy venue, uh, the Butterfly Club. So we'll run Monday to Sunday, the 25th to the 31st of March, um, 8.30, every, every single uh, night of that week. That's a long time to run, but I guess the motivating factor of the peasants with the pitchforks and the torches. Well, is they, they, you know, an angry mob has yes. a lot of adrenaline <laughs> pumping through their veins. So. But really, you shouldn't be calling the Herald Sun that. <laughs> <laughs> so you That's are definitely more a Guardian reference. <laughs> oh, I see. Speaking of uh, of uh, things that should have stakes hammered through them, you have a Dracula as your inspiration. So obviously, if uh, reread the book, I would certainly hope well yes the the process to do this was that a we want to go all right we really like doing journeys to the center of the earth what is our next book Mm. Mm -hmm. and it would just happen why don't we try dracula because that was also something else that had lots of adaptations so i did i went back over the summer break after i finished uh with my uh, normal teaching world (laughs) uh i read the book and i'll tell you now rob it's a very very long book it's (laughs) 400 pages of long um <laughs> so that was um the thing but the the interesting thing that i got out of it if i was to get one big nugget out of it was how amazing the character of mina harker is mm. in the novel compared to all of the films would you not agree rob <laughs> yeah that was the thing that stood out for us was uh for me as well was that the case of i've never really been into dracula that much because it's always been sort of like um the female characters have either been there to be lusted after or eaten. Um, and even in, you know, some of the more faithful adaptions I do with bunny ears, like um, Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola, still the ladies uh, are still very much just uh, meat to be eaten or desired. So going back and looking at the book and seeing how much, you know, of a science-minded, independent, um, strong character Mina is and how she has to sort of like prop up the male characters who are so emotionally invested in Lucy and all that they type of sob stuff. so much they sob they sob a lot the they boys sob, a, sob lot. a lot and it's really it comes down to Mina Harker going fine I know I'm turning into a vampire but <laughs> let me do all the things first the, the league of extraordinary sobbers <laughs> yes. Wilhelmina Mina Harker Nee Murray with her, yes, yes. Mina Harker is uh had so many different interpretations. It's an interesting, actually, uh, sort of a, a span to look at those characters because we don't know who's played Dracula over the years, uh, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But um, Mina has actually quite got quite a good spread of actor, actresses. Uh, Petter Wilson, where she's actually gone full vampire in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Greta Schroeder back in the original um, uh, Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. And Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah, yeah. In um, Mr. Coppola's film. Who uh, pitched it to Coppola um, because she was so uh, embarrassed she had to pull out of um, Godfather 3. Mm. So she said, I want to find another project for us to work on. Uh, and, you know, I'm really sorry I did this. How about we do Dracula? So it was, you know, it was Winona Ryder who pushed for Dracula to be made, which is really interesting. She later become Spock's mum. She did become <laughs> Spock's mum. And she's now uh, amazing in Stranger Things. Does, yeah. she, does she address herself as that? Hello, I'm Spock's mum. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Why, why would you not? Yeah, exactly. 
And who, who uh, was who was Mina in the 1971 one with Franklin Jella? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to look it up. <gasps> my, my, Did uh, I stump the Jan? <laughs> yes. Well, no. this is the thing. This is the only interviews we do where we have to research before we come to an interview. <laughs> my, my cyber Scooby Megan McHugh is not here today. So yes. Well, yes. actually, she could be. She could be fluttering around mm. up in the corners somewhere. <laughs> uh, I was wondering what that looming shape was. <laughs> Olivia Llewellyn was uh, Mina in Penny Dreadful, which is a corker of a show. I've heard many good things about I've that. seen the first series it's it's great fun mm. it's really really enjoyable it's one of those um, performances that make you fear for the actress's sanity <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh I like that yeah. I like when an actor throws himself in that far yeah mm. she actually in this case oh for uh, sure. but anyway um so, yeah, that's so there's, the type there's of... been many people who've played this role. So you've got uh, Jennifer Spears playing Mina. That's correct, because when we... So taking the very, very long book, and when, I've, when we cobbled together our first draft, it was just far too long. So we had to find ways to truncate, and, uh, as well as get all our references in yeah. that we have to do. And the reason I bring up the 1979 one is because they truncated some of the characters, but also renamed them. And one of the things that came out of that, they made... Mina Harker, the daughter of Dr. Seward. Yes. And I had pitched this to Rob as a grand idea, so why not we combine Dr. Seward and Mina Harker to be the same person? And so we... And Rob said, yes, in fact. uh, (laughs) uh, It did sound like that. He he really did. He was smoking a pipe and everything. Yes, dear boy. (laughs) Very Ernest Lloyd. And... So we pitched the idea that in our interpretation that we've made uh, Mina Seward, uh, then Mina Harker, uh, to be a PhD student who uh, is studying um, mental health patients and will be a key part of our story. And we're both incredibly white middle-class men (laughs) and we didn't want to be necessarily going, Hello, I'm (laughs) Mina Harker. So that's why we brought Jen Spears on board to be our realistic lady. Yeah. Yeah, we thought we, we were thinking about because most of the stuff we've done, we play multiple characters ourselves and stuff like that. But this is where we thought it would be important because the role of Mina has been so, you know, overlooked through you know, mainstream culture over the last you know hundred years or so. We thought it'd be important to actually, you know, what if we're going to do the role right? Let's actually get you know, you know, someone who identifies as a woman to play the role properly, as opposed to us. So. Bringing on Jen Spears was a no-brainer because I worked with Jen on uh, The Heart Awakens, my uh, my uh, Star Wars show a couple of years back, and I've been doing podcasts with Jen on and off for the last two years. Um, and yeah, uh, with and and Innes and Jen have a connection because they did spend some time working at Melbourne City Hatters on and off, but never at the same time. And we just clicked. Wait, and wait, felt- wait. Melbourne City Hatters. Yes, yeah, so before I was a teacher many <laughs> moons ago, I did spend two and a half years working at City Hatters. That is correct. Oh, I wonder if I ever bought any hats off you. Well, quite possibly. It wasn't. <laughs> if, you, if you ever had a young, balding, pompous man <laughs> sell you a hat, then I can tell you that was likely to be this guy. As, as opposed to the old, balding, pompous man who you would have been serving. <laughs> See, that, exactly. In fact, it was, uh, I believe it was uh, Bald Pompous Week and just getting a series of parades coming through. Yes, you can only spend a short amount of time together, otherwise the entire world goes into a pompous apocalypse. We, we, should, we should form a, a league. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the, the League of Extraordinary Bald Pompous Men. Um, and they're women loud, of course. <laughs> Patron Saint uh, Fraser Crane. <laughs> no Bert Newtons allowed. Yes. Uh, um, so yeah, and Jen's just uh, slotted into our format and our process so 
easily and so well and she brings her own sense of humor and and dynamic to it's really you know reinvigorated what Ines and I do so it's really and we have to learn much less lines now because uh, the journey to the center of the earth uh, I was the main storyteller and I had a lot of lines so it's so nice to have that spread and we still play multiple characters and I end up playing the other comical lady parts yes. but uh, having a lovely realistic lady and Jen is such a wonderful actor and very very funny um, that we're very glad that she's on board mm. David which parts do you play in this? oh wow so I, I, I it, so I'll okay. Can I just start by saying what Ro, who Rob gets to play? He gets to play Van Helsing and Dracula, okay, um, as well. Uh, that's your main two characters. Yeah, my main two characters. Uh, yeah. Whereas I have the rest. <laughs> so I have Jonathan Harker, who really is a bit of a wet fish. So we've got. I decided to go maximum Bertie Wooster for. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jonathan Harker. <laughs> Dracula and such. I get to play. I play Lucy Westenra and Lady <laughs> Westenra. Uh, as well, and also we merged the two, uh, the three suitors into two. Uh-huh. Uh, Quincy Homewood, so I play him. <laughs> so I play the husband, the wife, and the wife's mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which we do have a scene, all three of us together. Um, and then, oh god, I've now forgotten who Renfield? else I play. I play, I play Renfield. Yes, yeah. so I do play Renfield as well. And uh, Sailor Number One. <laughs> <laughs> It's the role he was born to play. You're sailor number one. That's right. Yeah, has no number two. Okay. All right. Well, you've answered the question about what parts Robert's playing. Mm. Yeah, I I lucked out. I didn't even do the allocation. So Ines kind of structured the script and goes, oh, well, I guess I've got the two icons. Mm. I'll take take them both on. So Not that I really actually want to avoid unnecessary confusion because this is zero g <laughs> uh but we are talking to innes lloyd who together are david innes and rob lloyd so yes. when you hear them talking about rob that's not me just for a change ah. uh, yes that's right well in that case from this point on dear listener i will refer to rob as lloyd and rob jan as jan and then we're all fine <laughs> And I'm Innes, so that's fine. I feel right. like a cat, like I've got three names. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... I could say mine host. Mine host, <laughs> mine yes. Host. Right, you're listening to the Fraser Crane show here. No, no, Hose! Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio on Free Triple RFM. We're going to a track now, which is What's called... Track? A track. What's the track? What's the track? Once bitten, oh. or is this a drac? This is a drac track. Once bitten, <laughs> twice shy, and it's by Laurie Chucko from Elvira's Gravest Hits. Oh, gravest! <laughs> Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on zero G on three triple R FM. Respect. She was indeed. Mm. Respect. And that was actually um, Elvira. Mistress of the Dark, once bitten, twice shy with Laurie Chucko from Elvira's Gravest Hits, her Halloween album. What else would it be? What else? Come on. We are here back in the studio talking with Innes Lloyd, which, when you split them apart quite messily, is David Innes and Rob Lloyd, who are doing Dracula as part of the Melbourne Inter- International Comedy Festival. Were you going to say intergalactic? I was going to say intercontinental. <laughs> 
could be. Whoever wins it gets a gets a gets a be. belt that they get to hire. I thought you were going to say gets a whole continent. Gets they a gets whole a continent. <laughs> Which one do you want? Oh, well, I'll take that. Well, you're not actually uh, competing with Dracula's cabaret this year because they're gone. They are gone. Uh, and but there is actually another Dracula show in the in the lineup in the exact same venue as us. And I think it's in the same room <laughs> after us. I think it is. There is um, another show that's I think from the perspective of uh, the servant of Dracula. Dracula. But I think there is also the stage version or musical version, which is not at the same time, but also <laughs> later. So I think Dracula is uh, in the wind. It's definitely, uh, yeah, it's caught the uh, the zeitgeist. I, I reckon it might be because we've just had the uh, the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. True. So True. people may have been casting around. Maybe it's like part of the wave of uh, Universal's pathetic attempt to reboot the monster. They've tried so hard. They've tried. Well, yeah, they tried with Van Helsing back in the early noughties and uh-huh. they tried with, yeah. The Mummy. The Mummy. The well, reboot. actually, they did all right with Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Yeah, Brendan Fraser's, um, the first one's really good. The second mm. one's okay. Um, but, yeah, it's just a case of what they were trying to do. They were too cocky with the with the reboot like to go, oh, we've already planned out, you know, the you know Frankenstein with Javier Bardem, the Invisible Man with Johnny Depp, and oh, we've got it all sorted, it's yeah. all great. But yeah, but it needs to be a good film. Mm, exactly. So um, you're incorporating all of the adaptations, or as many as you can think of and find, of previous uh, adaptations of Dracula. Uh, are there any particular ones that uh, that you mind for this? Well, this, as you can imagine, there has been quite a number of the films that have involved uh, said Dracula. So we couldn't, unfortunately, unlike Journey to the Centre of the Earth, we found it far more difficult to incorporate them all. So we're actually having some breakout moments where we talk about our favourite Draculas and things like that. And the changing uh, and mythology, yeah. like what the original concept of Dracula was and how that's evolved, um, has been really cool to see. Um, like when was the first incorporation of uh, vampires being able to be killed by sunlight and Nosferatu uh, yeah mm. exactly and so that type of stuff that's is- 10 points for Jan then <laughs> 10, 10 points. points for Mr Jan <laughs> Um, he's so close to winning the car right now. <laughs> uh, and my favourite... The section. car of Dracula. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dracula. Which is Christine, of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> I, I, I wish I got to see that hammer film, <laughs> Car of Dracula. That, yeah, I think that was the point that Christopher <laughs> Lee went, no more. <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm leaving now. Have you seen Zoltan, Hound of Dracula? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's actually not bad. It's all right? Yeah. Well, um, sort of. <laughs> uh, my, yeah, well, my favourite part of our show is uh, the weird and wonderful section where we do all the really obscure, fun interpretations of Dracula. So we've got in there stuff like um, uh, we talk about Blackula, obviously, oh, yes. uh, which has got the greatest soundtrack mm. ever. Yeah. Like, it stands out on its own. You go, this is actually really good. It, you're not there going, oh, oh, this is so good, ironically. You're going, no, this is really good music. So we try to incorporate uh, films based on soundtracks. So we uh, incorporate a lot of music in our transitions and things from uh, the sort of the main iconic films. So you'll hear bits of Hammer, you'll hear bits of the Coppola version, you'll hear uh, bits of you'll hear Bella bits Lugosi. of you'll hear bits of Blackula. Yeah, Bella Lugosi's version as well. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. And even um, possibly a little reference to a very obscure... you probably get it from a puppet rock musical mentioned in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, no, 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 no that, one, that one. Well, Jason Segel made a movie uh, where he first showed his love for puppetry before he, of course, reinvented the Muppets so brilliantly with the reboot. Um, and in it, his character wants to do the definitive rock musical of Dracula. 
with puppets. And so there's a part where he sings one of Dracula's songs called Dracula Lament, and it is amazing. So we have a bit of a, a Ooh, nod to that. That's a for deep really, Easter egg. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a deep burn. It's a deep cut. Yeah. So I think most of our film is just... Uh, so most of our film... <laughs> uh, that's, that's the next stage. Um, but most of our... Uh, uh, adaptation here is a love to various, not only just Dracula's um, versions of Dracula, but other films and things like that. We try mm. to. The, the, I think the hardest thing about adapting from the book is any time we had to cut the beautiful language for time reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've managed to. I think there's about three original sentences still in there. <laughs> the rest of it is my attempt to my uh, uh, half attempt to be able to mod uh, is sort of emulate. Bram Stoker's language. Unky Brammy. Unky Brammy. You might win a Brammy Award for it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, they're called the Stokers. The Stokers? They are are actually... You can put them with fires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you don't know here is Lloyd is giving a visual, a visual joke of uh, using the award to uh, stake the fire. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I work on many levels. <laughs> yes. Most of them, um, yeah, inaccessible to the audience. Yeah. P- please tell me you're going to incorporate the house that drip blood. The house that drip blood. No, I think just in our acting style. Well, <laughs> that does connect with because um, Mr. John Pertwee, of course, appears in the house that drip blood, mm. and in what uh, David Innes did in preparation. I, I was trying to because I, I thought that no doubt I'll arrive here and that Rob Jan will have. Well, did you know about this Doctor Who actor who did this and the other? And I was trying to find every Doctor Who actor who's <laughs> been in a, Dracula, a version of Dracula, and John Pertwee is in a sketch of Bruce Forsyth's The Generation Game from the early. <laughs> 70s as Dracula. You can find a very poor quality audio on YouTube. Um, but yeah, actually, Sylvester McCoy is in the 1979 Frank one McGill. with Fran, um playing man who helps out in hotel and does a classic <laughs> McCoy pratfall. So, you know. And Patrick Troughton, of course. Uh, is in the, um, the Scars of Dracula. Actually, also, as like man in background or servant therein. I have actually got a list of people who've played Dracula, and it's like Cesar Romero once played. Get out! Really? Did he, keep, he kept the moustache? <laughs> I hope he kept the moustache and the Joker makeup. <laughs> you know. well, it has to be pale. <laughs> it, it just seems to be a, a thing, you know. You have to play Sherlock Holmes and Dracula, and yeah. Well, I was the like the character who's been represented the most on television and film is Dracula. Sherlock Holmes is second, but Sherlock Holmes is about 300, and Dracula's ahead by a good 400, 500. So So why? Why is Dracula... I mean, apart from the... Actually, we've just answered that question, the whole immortality thing, but why is he so long-lived? I think uh, if you have to look at the context of which the book was written... So the book was written in that era of... Uh, and forgive me if I forget the correct term, but invasion literature. Mm. So that sort of subgenre of the foreigners are going to get us, which was a great sort of thing for British people to constantly write about. And so that's when you had things like War of the Worlds. You had um, uh, Dracula. And because perhaps that deep down in us we are afraid of the unlike and that we are going to be attacked by someone that's not like us, looks like us, but it's not like us. Um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why it stayed so long. It's a classic story. And it's that case of Dracu- uh, vamp- vampirism and that folklore has evolved so much from being something to be afraid of, and especially within the 70s through Anne Rice um, and through the 90s with Joss Whedon and all this, and Stephanie Meyer to a lesser extent. They've 
changed the perception of vampires as being something to be feared, but something to feel sorry for. And so that's why a lot of the focus of the Dracula adaptions have gone away from the the real lead of the book, who is Mina Harker, to focus on what's Dracula's story mm. instead of just being that shadow in the background, that evil menace or the you know the dirty, dirty foreigner, which I say with all the sarcasm in the world. It's shifted like in Frank Langella's version, there's this sort of like sexual appeal and this, you know, the repression of that Victorian era, you can release it with your unbounded sexuality through the darkness of of Dracula's unwanted I think unwarranted. There's that same appeal that Spock has um, back in the day. You know, the, uh, for the want of a good woman, he could be changed. Yeah. <laughs> he could be yeah. brought back to emotions with Dracula. It's, you know, if you could just get the right bride of Dracula. Yes. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, so it's that case of the shift has been... Yeah, the story of Dracula and vampires has stayed so strong because it can evolve and has mm. shifted, much like you know Doctor Who can change its genre. And there's so many different stories to the Star Trek world or Star Wars. It's one of those franchises that just goes on because that folklore can evolve into now we care about the character. There must be a tortured soul living that long. But that's, and I think what you said there, but the evolving has helped because you think about other stock standard characters, you think about the Invisible Man, you think about Frankenstein, they haven't evolved. Like the Invisible Man's all but disappeared. I don't know where to go from there, but, uh, <laughs> but suffice to say, the Invisible Man is just madman who's invisible the end and frankenstein is just monster but obviously the main monster of that is the creator themselves um there's not there's not that much room to move in those mm. stories was dracula that was the the wonderful thing when you make the, uh, dracula a romantic figure weirdly so from monster to romantic figure and he's definitely not a romantic figure that well not really any in that novel um then you you've got a room to change well that that's true but the 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 major uh, bearers of of legend in terms of pop culture at least and that's partly what we're talking about Tarzan, uh, King Arthur, Robin Hood. Some of these things don't actually travel quite so well in the 21st century. As we've seen recently with Robin Hood and King Arthur several times, except for The Boy Who Would Be King, which is a magnificent little movie if you haven't seen it. The Boy... Oh, yeah, it just came out, done by um, Joe Cornish. Mm. Yeah, it's his second film after Attack the Block. I haven't seen it, Mm. and it didn't do that well in the box office, but... Still a good film. I've heard it's an incredible film. Yeah, it's a more modernised version of um, the Arthurian legend. Mm. So King Arthur uh, and Star Trek has now joined that pantheon and Star Wars as well, Mm. of course. Uh, And Doctor Who, um, you know, and Sherlock Holmes. So these all, they all do have something in common, you know, the, the... the chosen one uh, yes definitely and and dracula is kind of a little bit of an outsider along with frankenstein there very much the outsider and especially because it was written from you know the the white privileged britishman point of view talking about you know the dangers of the unknown and the outside to now we as a culture has evolved to go we need to listen to more than just our own white male stories and so that's where this character has been able to be evolved from you know the torture of having the beast within them that they can't control. I suppose there's also the 
fact is that just as a narrative archetype, those sorts of things will last forever. Take, for instance, like any murder mystery, if you take the Agatha Christie template, that the template that she wrote that's virtually identical will last the end of time because mm. you just change up all the characters, you get a male detective, female detective, whatever the case might be. That template of how a story works just works so well. With Dracula, War of the Worlds, or The Invisible Man, that uh, the the archetype that there is a monster coming, mm. and you can do all sorts of lovely, you know, story icing on top of that. Yeah, yeah. But that, as a narrative story, is such an easy one and so so good mm. that that's why it goes on forever. Mm. That's fascinating. We've just. Um we, I feel like we've You've gone... joined into University Radio. <laughs> yeah. This is Open University. Wait, We're talking about Narrative ex- 101. Excuse me, Triple R actually <laughs> is partly University Radio. Well, uh, good day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, take my smugness elsewhere. <laughs> I'll take my smugness and my foot out of my mouth. Please. <laughs> oh, 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 no, my smug foot. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a terrible case of smug foot. <laughs> Feel, I feel like we've been deep in us there for a moment. And oh, we have deep in us here. Rob, Rob Lloyd and <laughs> yeah, and Rob Jan, of course, on Zero G on Free Triple R FM. And we are talking about the Innes Lloyd production at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Dracula. Mm. How do you say it? Give me, give me your best interpretation of the, of the name. Uh, I, I quite like the, uh, the hammer as credibly British as possible. Dracula. Uh, I like uh, the a more modernised uh, version that they tried to do, give it a bit more authentic. Dracula. <laughs> uh, uh. I, I can see Gary Oldman sort of manifesting oh. there briefly. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh, God. Oh, is he here? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, he was very pretty in that. We have pens and autograph books, if you like. <laughs> and I have my boobs that he can sign. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, I said it, in it. You can't take it back now. No takey-backies. I'm and afraid Rob, uh, Mr. Lloyd gets 10 minus points. Damn it. Damn it. I'm never going to beat Jan in his own game. No. And they will be appearing at the MICF from the 25th of March. That must be previews, doesn't it? The festival starts on the 27th. Or? Yes, well, um, the Butterfly Club uh, fills out their season four weeks in four-week blocks, ah, uh, okay. four-weekly blocks. So, yes, we are starting officially... Uh, the day before uh, previews and stuff start on the Tuesday. So we, we on the Comedy Festival website, our opening night isn't even on their calendar. But if you go to the Butterfly Club website, you can buy tickets for opening night straight away. Please do. We're, we're performing before it is cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so cool and by, by appointment to his infernal majesty, the Prince of Darkness. Exactly. David Innes. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> or Vlad the Impala, depending if that if you're in um, watching Supernatural, I'm sure there's yes, a, or a if you're going to there. a certain um, Impala needs perfection. That's a type of that's a commercial. Come and help me here, Ennis. Would you like he's, a shovel? He, he's, <laughs> he's trying to drive the Chevy to the levee, but the levee is dry. Oh, I'm all dry. <laughs> Ooh, that came out wrong. <laughs> well, before we get into the true it's blood, day. come on, the true blood here. Oh no, you're too busy innocing for all. <laughs> We will. I'm the Prince of Darkness, apparently. Get your smug foot out of my mouth. <laughs> for a moment, if I if I just pull my hands out of the puppets for a moment, the glove puppets, <laughs> they'll fall silent here. Uh, Nina Conti, eat your heart out. Now um, we will have a track here, and I've what, chosen the track? one What's the track? What's the track? What's called track? Dracula Cha Cha, which of course <laughs> is by Bruno Martino, and. 
The reason why I'm playing this is the Dracula connection, of course. Obviously. But uh, Anno Dracula, Kim Newman's series about Dracula becoming the the uh, the prince consort of um, Great Britain back in the day, where he wins and Van Helsing suffers ignominy and defeat. Yeah. Great long series of, of books that, that bounce through the century uh, following um, the Dracula story. So they go through... Uh, World War One and um, this Dracula cha 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 is set in uh, the 1950s, pulling in all of Hollywood and uh, Fellini, and it's a fascinating book, uh, well worth reading. This is one that these ones that not everybody knows because they all know Alan Moore's Extraordinary Gentleman one. Yes, uh, but these ones are really fine vampire books. Okay, um, uh, Kim Newman's uh, I Know Dracula series, and the. Book Dracula Cha Cha riffs off this actual um, old classic. Hello, this is Wendy Padbury. I played Zoe Herriot on Doctor Who and Sue Craig on Free Wheelers. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R F M. Zero G? Well, I'm quite sure that doesn't add up. There we go with. <laughs> Ah, Dracula, cha-cha-cha. That was so cool. I mean, Is it free cha-cha-chas or cha-cha, actually? I, I thought it was cha-cha-cha. Yeah. It I should feel, be. I feel like that's a red dwarf line. What do you mean, Dracula, cha-cha-cha? <laughs> Bruno, Bruno Martino. And we have Rob Jam back in the studio of Zero G, Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio, here on Labor Day on Free Triple R. Not labouring very hard, but with David Innes and... Push, push Innes. Oh. And Rob Lloyd. <laughs> who are putting on their Dracula production at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And now we are talking, because they are both uh, of the geekish pro, uh, sort of persuasion, mm. more or less, mm. yes? Yes. Uh, we do identify as Greek. <laughs> yeah. As geek. Oh, geek. <laughs> uh, maybe not Greek, but uh, definitely geek. <laughs> we could, if you like. <laughs> so, I've, I've, to test that, I bought two uh, chickens in whose heads are going to bite off on air being geeks, which is where it comes from. Really? Oh. Sideshow carny uh, carnival attraction. We're of, called geeks. Yeah, geeks. What? Of limited appeal, I would think. Well, I was uh, wondering what this bloodied, feathered mess was on the floor, but now that uh, gives me good context. We don't judge because you're... <laughs> no, no. Three triple R. Three triple R. It's university connected. It is exactly right. So since today's episode is 1227, which just happens to be the serial number of the USS Shenzhou, Shenzhou. from Star Trek Discovery, uh, Philippa Giorgio's ship... Mm. Uh, before it got abandoned in space and um, salvaged and scavenged by the Klingons. Damn those Klingons. Mm. So first season of Star Trek Discovery is now under our belt. We're well underway in the second season. Uh, we've had about, I'm just trying to think about how many episodes we've done. One, two, three, I'm going to count here. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about nine, no, seven episodes actually. Looking uh, at uh, uh, uh. Uh, and it's basically expanded beyond the war with the Klingons that they had in the first season. Yes. And we are engaged in a search for Spock. We are. We're going mm. very uh, Star Trek Episode 3 with the search for Spock. Mm. We, um, Of course, and we've been waiting for this because, as we all know, Michael Burnham is um, the adopted sister of, uh, of Spock. Another sibling. Another sibling, and we've seen um, one, uh, which has never been mentioned before, so a lot of people have been going, ooh. But we have, have seen a lot of Sarek, who's been played brilliantly. Uh, the actor who's playing Sarek, I've seen him around. He's done like True Blood and mm. TV shows all around town. But he is 
incredible as Sarek. He's a very good Sarek. We haven't had any mention of Cybok yet from Star Trek V. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, still, he's still he's still trying to find God. They don't so talk about they Cyborg. don't talk about him in his days in the cult. So. Never gets invited to the reunions. <laughs> oh, poor fella. Uh, okay, well, uh, w- this season has also brought in um, Captain Christopher Pike as a reference to original Star Trek, mm. the original series, uh, played but played really well by Anson Mount. And I've heard of a couple of people who are not quite as familiar with Star Trek say, well, he's, he's very much like Captain Kirk. But, of course, Captain Pike was originally Captain Perk. Exactly, Kirk. yeah. Captain Perk. <laughs> Captain Perk. <laughs> that was the carry-on Star Trek series. <laughs> oh, hello, I'm Captain Perk. Oh, I am. Well, I'll beam you up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you get out your tricorder. Oh. <laughs> Well, it was pretty I've much got a like on for you. It actually was like that in the original series a lot of the time. It was very oh, much like ging, a, ging, ging, ging. all the all the green alien ladies and and if you're wondering, do they uh, do they actually go to the places that Christopher Pike has been in the was in the original series in the Cage episode, mm. recut as the Menagerie? Well, you know, time will tell. Time will tell, and there yeah. is a mention. In fact, in the first episode, there was a bit of a. Well, there's a, a bit of that. a spoiler for Rob because he hasn't seen um, this particular episode. Yes, they do go there. But yes. That has actually just dropped on Netflix. Last, oh, really? Last oh, week. I'm okay. So, well, yeah, I've, I've been watching it since the Cage. So, um, yeah, if they're doing back continuity, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, and they're doing it rather well. They've been trying to backfill their continuity. Uh, the Klingons now have hair because Good. they Is shaved they it, it off. Because of the religious war that they were involved in in the first season. Right, there we go. That's and pretty then, cool, actually. And if they try and explain it better than probably Enterprise did of why all the Klingons look like, you know, the Beatles with goatees in uh, the 60s series, that would be really good. It it was was a, there was a plague. It was a plague, and, and, wasn't and it? Yeah. And an antidote. And it actually kind of made sense that the Klingons mm. would you know, do that. Uh, we've also had um, more adventures of. Uh, of Ash Tyler, who, spoiler if you haven't watched season one, um, was not the character that we thought he might be. Yeah. I think some, uh, uh, David hasn't seen. Oh, that's right. Don't, don't, don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, don't hold back on my account. <laughs> that's right. No, we're being... No, we're being I, I, I appreciate the generosity. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, I'm I, not as big a Star Trek fan, although I loved the most recent films, and I did like First Contact, so that's nice. First Contact is very good. And uh, TNG. But, yeah, I haven't got into... I haven't sat down to watch the new series. Ah. So I'm just watching here going, you guys sound like you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was an interesting thing with season one. They tried something really uh, quite bold with uh, a Star Trek series. Let's have... Like, the focus is not the captain, but let's have a captain who is a villain. Mm. I don't care about the spoilers I'm giving out. And they're going, it's an odd choice to actually make your 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 captain of the ship someone you can't trust and someone you're not sure of. And it turns out in the end, played brilliantly by Jason Isaac, that man can do no wrong. It'd be like having a, a country where the Prime Minister or the President was thoroughly evil. <laughs> but that would never happen. Of course As not. if anyone would elect someone who was a reality <laughs> TV star. Satire, satire, satire. This is why I had to bring in comedians today. <laughs> what, just to get your mind off the horror that yeah, is the horror. World. And, of course, uh, Doug Jones continues to be absolutely gobstoppingly excellent as Mr. Saru. The, he's adding the, in new stuff. Kelpian. Th- he's doing, like, I noticed in season two he's adding in this new hand wave thing yes. as he walks. Yep. He didn't do that in season one. No. He's bringing in this new physicality, um, which I'm really liking. He can, like, he's 
evolving the character because he's such an incredible physical performer, obviously. So from all his work with Guillermo del Toro, um, it, yeah, just allowing that to play. So he's got almost like this fish-like waving of his yeah. hands as he walks. Really subtle, but it's a, a lovely addition. They did, um, uh, if you haven't caught up with them yet, if you go on the Netflix site, they also have uh, they've got other trailers and other material. Yes. And they've done three short episodes yeah, that uh, give us extra stuff, short treks. And yes. they're doing more of those too, actually, including some animated ones, I'm told. Ooh, Ooh. getting a bit of the older animated Star Trek series um, that mm. a lot of people hold quite uh, close to their heart when yeah. they did that with the original series. And just to digress slightly because the word animation popped into my head then, um, Rob, you must be very excited about the Macra Terror being animated. We are... Very excited. <laughs> Innes and I went to Doctor see, Who, of course. Yes, yeah. of course. Innes and I went to see um, Power of the Daleks in the cinemas. I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> to was... us and the one other person sitting <laughs> in the very large <laughs> cinema. cinema. You should have said hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we knew them. <laughs> oh, come on. We know what happens when we try to talk to someone during Doctor Who. Shut up. Shut up. And, and, and that, was... Was, that was an experience. But then we went and saw Sharda as well, and that was amazing. Yeah. They did really I actually think Sharda was... Um, better than Power of the Daleks. Oh, easily. The, they had more time. Well, Power of the Daleks, you can tell, all of their money went into recreating episodes one to four and, well, we've got no money left and basically trying to Matt Stone and Trey Parker their way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Terrence and Philip came in and got shot by a Dalek. <laughs> ah! That was sad. I, um, I hope Macra Terror, which is a Patrick Troughton era story, will be better done in terms of um, well it's only four episodes and yeah. they've had a lot of time so it's, having time and less episodes mean that they sure. have more money to put into each one and it's a great story and oh, it's, it's really atmospheric and to actually see the macro better than they would have been in the poor old original series which was just one macro that one didn't macra. move very well one macro two <laughs> macro <laughs> no we cannot afford two macro <laughs> wait a minute the, the macro they were the crab like creatures yes. Yes. yes so what they actually showed up in um uh, it was one of the tenants ones. Gridlock. Gridlock, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they saw devolved. Claws. Yeah, with the big claws and they devolved and they were all CGI'd. Mm. Um, so, because in the original 60s one, they're quite intelligent and they can manipulate this whole colony. Um, but yeah, in Tenet's one, they devolved to just be beasts. You notice how we sidetracked there straight away from Star Trek, but that's all right. We can that's do that. Right. Um, um, but yeah, um, I, I struggled. Mr. Jan, I struggled with season one. I found it quite difficult for me to get into. Uh-huh. Um, there's a couple of episodes I liked. I really loved uh, anything with Harry Mudd. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and the episode, which was kind of like the Groundhog Day type thing, was an incredible episode. It was It's a classic sci-fi trope, but also um, really brought in a bit of fun and elements to it, uh, comedy elements which has been lacking I, I felt whole... it was like Rashomon that one a little yeah, bit yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. very much so mm. um, but and then they went to they spent too long in the mirrorverse and it was a bit too dour for me so when season two started with the introduction of Pike and he just sits down and he goes yeah don't give me a title that doesn't care give me a name and he went through the entire you know um the, t- the deck everyone gave their name and who they are when they did more character development in like two minutes there <laughs> with all these other uh, you know um, arterial characters um, that really helped so I'm really excited to get into season two because Pike was a great introduction of that more traditional st- element of Star Trek which is you now the hope and the, how you can break through the procedure of you know because that's what Star Trek's all about following the rules 
doing everything you need to and that's why Kirk's great he just comes and goes no, screw that I'll go around here for, so. for me with the first season it, there was a, a different vector in play quite you know, a confirmation bias thing going on hmm. because um, I'd always been saying after each Star Trek series, I really like to see a Klingon one. Yeah, and they gave it to me. It wasn't yes. quite exactly what I wanted, but it ticked a lot of the boxes. Uh, and once the the actors playing the Klingons got by, got used to using the extreme prosthetics and costumes and the fake teeth, and that the was teeth. really hard. To you hear could them. see them struggling to, to lock that in. They did to their credit because yes. they're actors and they knew how to. They, they got there. Well, the 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 female actor who played um, I can't remember the, the Klingon's name who was captured in the end. She did. She was amazing in showing that range as opposed to because mm. um, mm. I did feel a little bit. You know, again with the Klingons. Um, the <laughs> but actually, funny enough, uh, so I, the only reason I've connected with Star Trek Discovery, having not watched it, is from my dad. I see my dad every week. We do dinner. And he uh, tried the first series, and I think he was exactly like you, uh, Mr. Lloyd, uh, because he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's really enjoying the second series. And dad's a man, he loves his adventure. He loves his action. Loves Don't need to worry about this emotional nonsense. <laughs> Just give me action. So he's really loving it. So mm. it must be must it must be good. Yeah. Well, he's going to have trouble with Spock if he wants emotional <laughs> action. No, he does. He doesn't want any emotion. He just wants fun, fun, fun. Well, I'm looking forward. Oh, yeah, to seeing Vulcans how- are so much fun. They are they are party animals. They Vulcans. know how. Oh, when do they get to? Oh, is it Panfar? Ponfar. Ponfar. That's when they party on. Like, they no Vulcans are so fun that a Matt's conference might break out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm interested to see how this new guy does as um, Ethan. Spock. Ethan Peck. Yeah, because Gregory I'm, Peck's grandson. Get out! Really? Well, do you de- do you deny? <laughs> As if I should even deny. Zavri's his grandson, his great grandson, one of those. One things. of those, yeah. One of those puny um, human relationships. Because uh, I I didn't really like I didn't like Zachary Quinto interpretation of Spock at all. But I think that was more how he was written. Um, and yeah, he didn't really match. You don't like a handsome Spock. I, 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 He's a gorgeous Spock. I thought Leonard Nimoy had a rugged charm about him. <laughs> what about when he's singing that Lord of the Rings song that he does in the 70s? Ah, uh, the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, yes. <laughs> does, that, does that get you, Rob? Does that get you? You've found my fetish. <laughs> Spock singing Tolkien. Mm. They, all, right. they all do it, actually. As we've they, all, they all sing it. <laughs> uh, on Zero, as we've done on Zero G so many times, we love a good celebrity song. And, <laughs> of course. You know, Shatner and Nemo. Oh, Shatner does his great stuff. I love his so Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Picture yourself <laughs> on a boat on a river. That's a good um, Major Tom as well, uh, Space Oddity as well. I haven't heard his Space Oddity. Yeah, he's got a whole album. But this is in his post-Transform transform Man period, like contemporary sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's actually not, he has figured out how to do it. He's got... He's got good collaborators like Ben Folds and yes, yeah, and yeah. it and it does work that spoken word speech and you begin to think if only it had some better people with in the original one yeah well yeah so it's all their fault it's not Captain Kirk's it's, fault <laughs> it's never Kirk's fault um, I thought you were doing post Transformers thing I thought you were going to make a reference to uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy being the voice of Galvatron in the Transformers yeah well they have movie. been Star Trek Transformers stuff mm-hmm. oddly enough in the comic books and things yeah they yeah they have had Star Trek um, yeah. crossovers with. Transformers. God knows why. <laughs> and Doctor Who has done a, tra- a crossover with the original Star Trek series. It was Matt Smith's Doctor and did a comic book series with them. Um, oh, yes, that's yeah, true. Yes, beloved of fan fiction. Yeah, they love a good mashup. Actually, I've read just... the Green Lantern Planet of the Apes crossover. And oh, yeah. It's appalling. <laughs> Actually, I think we've done. Well, 
I think we've done very well today, not to mention Captain Marvel. Um, well, I haven't seen it yet. You've seen it twice, you I've seen lucky. it twice, one at IMAX. Um, next week, of course, we are going to open up on that, uh, on Zero-G, when Megan returns. Uh, it will be... Look, I'll, I'll, you know, on the yeah-nah scale, yeah-nah-maybe scale of Zero-G ratings, I give it a, um, a higher, further, faster, more, yeah, rating. Yeah. It's just, you know, Carol Corpse. There's just the some max. incredible stuff out there, like at the premiere, the shot of um, Brie Larson. Serving sign. popcorn? Uh, yeah, well, she's been doing that, yeah, the last couple of days. So in her Captain Marvel uh, tracksuit, yeah, um, going yeah. handing out popcorn and Coke, and she's also, at the premiere, she was signing something with the little girl dressed up in Captain Marvel. And yeah. Hearing, but hang on, sorry, I must interrupt, because I'm now more interested about this scale <laughs> if I can ask you Mr Jan you've talked about a very good year what has been a nah this year and what has been a maybe for you this year uh, well the, 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 the fourth level of that is yeah nah maybe which is so bad it's good oh okay oh, oh well, well, uh, well please please <laughs> let, go through this spectrum of uh, rating uh, oh, complex God, rating have, system I'd have to go back from my list of, um, <laughs> of films and stuff uh, off the top uh, of your head but Rob. you know like uh, <laughs> Black Mirror Bandersnatch that, yeah. that was a year that was mm-hmm. a year? Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, the interactive um, Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. I saw that. I thought it was quite good. Um, Russian Doll, uh, again on Netflix, another series. That, again, that was a yeah mm-hmm. series. They've been kicking a lot of goals on there. Netflix are doing very well. I'd have to say, if I was to go with maybe, I'd say I tried watching the first episode of The Umbrella Academy, which I yeah. feel like it's the LD brand X-Men. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I might give it another go eventually. But your maybes, or has there been a nah this year? Well, I have to say nah because we're running out of time. Oh. <laughs> oh. Next time. Next, next time. We next will time. be back. Next I time. We'll get back. it. Next it. time. Is this 10 or 11 appearances for me I, I on don't know. Zero G. I don't know. Which I, doctor are we up to? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're either Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi. We, we, I think we're into double figures the amount of time. I've, I've been on here twice. Oh, There you go. All right, well, thank you to David Innes and Rob Lloyd, who are doing Dracula at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That's they're right. all, they're yeah. also going to be in the production of it at uh, the festival, not just doing Dracula, <laughs> which is, you know, something I'll refer, be referring to Dr. Acula later on ah. for therapy. Oh, and we've got Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And our David Bowie-related track today, um, <gasps> I'm ripping off the track? fact What's that track? comedian... Tignatoro plays um, uh, Jet Reno, the engineer in Star Trek Discovery. She's really good. She is awesome she at is it. She's amazing. She fixed anything with duct tape. So she comes back? Yes. Oh, good. And uh, she says that the character's named um, Jet after Joan Jet. Yeah. And Joan Jet has covered Rebel Rebel. So that's our David Bowie reference what for a today. Great way to finish off. Thanks so much for having us, Mr. Jan. Thank Thanks you. Awesome. And check them out at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, Dracula, Innes Lloyd. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jen. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.